there, it's Michael and Amanda again from uh, LibUX, the podcast about design and user experience for libraries in the higher ed web. We are joined with by Tim Spalding, um, who you know from Library Thing and most recently Tiny Cat. And uh, we are just going to talk shop and, uh, and, and talk about some of the cool things that are coming out of uh, his part of the world and go from there. Hi, Tim and Amanda. Hi. Amanda. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good here. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm a, I'm a little loopy, <laughs> so this may uh, be a joy to edit. All right, how about you, Tim? Doing well? I am very well, very well. Uh, I, as I was saying to you earlier, on before we started taping, uh, it, it snowed up here in Portland, so uh, it's a very strange day, but other than that, a good one. Yeah, Michael has, I think, iguanas just walking around campus. Yes. Yeah, big ones, too. They're huge. You, you have no idea how big a feral iguana gets. <laughs> yeah, so this episode is brought to you from um, the opposite ends of the East Coast, Maine to Florida. All right, so Tim, can you give us about a 60-second summary of what Library Thing is as a foundation? Sure. So Library Thing started in, in 2005, so like forever ago, and uh, it was me coming up with a website to catalog books Basically, for myself, I thought that uh, you know a few other people might be interested, but um, uh, not many. But it 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 took off. There was a, a a niche people who actually wanted to do this, and took off. And now, well, more than more than ten years later, uh, it's going strong. We are a community of people who catalog their books, list their books, uh, and then relate to others uh, about their books. And it's uh, you know it's it's decisively. Uh, lapped by Goodreads, which is similar to us in, in certain ways, came afterwards. But uh, but we have a different different sort of calling, different sort of niche. Our users tend to be uh, nerdier, crazier, more interested in, in cataloging books per se. And uh, I think we also have more small institutions and uh, uh, using us as well, like the small libraries that we built uh, TinyCat for. Well, I will tell you just like as a confession here, is that I just left Goodreads for Library Think for permanent because of the privacy options that you offer, which Goodreads does not have. Ooh, ooh, elaborate. Uh, well, everything on Goodreads is public. The Library Thing, I can be like, put this in a little pocket so nobody can see my romance novel collection. <laughs> I guess they, they know now. Oh, well, I talk about it every now and then. But they don't need to know exactly which ones. So then introduce us now to what is Tiny Cat. Let me back up a second and say that I think the other thing that distinguishes library thing is that from the very beginning, we had a library focus. Um, I'm not a librarian. Um, I was uh, a classic scholar before I got back into computers and, and started library thing. Uh, so I had a certain uh, academic interest in books, and I, I knew that libraries knew the most about them. And uh, from the beginning, you know, the first hire that I had was a librarian. Uh, from the beginning, we've been processing MARC records, caring about library data, uh, and so forth. Within a couple years of starting, we started something called Library Thing for Libraries. And that was, um, and is, this suite of enhancements to your catalog. So uh, you can put tags and reader reviews and recommendations and other cool stuff like that. We have this whole whole bunch of them, uh, into your catalog, your existing catalog, and make it nicer, right? So we've got some several hundred catalogs around the world using us for that, which means that a lot of our work is looking at catalogs, trying to make our software work with them, being frustrated at 
the obtuseness of, of catalogs, of OPACs, and just generally being in that world of, of library enhancements, library software, library catalogs, uh, and the, the unpleasant experiences that, that, that so often attend it. No, that's just one of those things that um, I kind of take away from kind of what you and I do on Twitter, which is you can distinctly tell that you come at it, you know, you're you're a fan of maybe what libraries are and what libraries should do. But um, what I appreciate and one of the things that uh, we definitely have in common is that we're immensely critical of the OPAC experience, right, the, the like of the use of the um, – of, of searching and, 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 and interacting with, you know, this thing that's really core to like what libraries do. No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. It's, it's, it's more yeah. than just broken software. Like if, if you had asked one of us 20 years ago, I would have been old enough 20 years ago to, to be asked this. So if you had asked someone 20 years ago before the internet really was taking off, what the future of this internet would be and what would happen when you search for a book, you would have said, well, in this future search engine that I can imagine, there'd probably be a bookstore, right? And there'd probably be the author, and there'd probably be a library. That's totally not happened, right? It's Amazon, 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 Amazon. The author will be way down at the bottom, and libraries are almost nowhere. So somehow we've stumbled into this world where libraries are not part of the normal web experience of people. When they're your local library and you end up using their interface uh, to their to their catalog, it's terrible. And um, the the problem is sort of circular. You know, terrible software has has led to this situation. Terrible choices have led to this situation. But it's it's somewhere in between a catastrophe and a disgrace. You know, Tiny Cat, you know, isn't going to solve that. But it's it's some sort of reaction to the things that I saw that were broken, trying to fix a few of them. I think I remember. Um maybe in 2015 or even as far back as 2014 I think you I think you may have reached out to me and Amanda I think separately because uh, you you were starting to do some sort of like user experience testing um on a secret project or something that you were working on and yeah and so I so just uh it was interesting I I knew that you were working on it just through Twitter and stuff and then um earlier this month um, I know you'd launched it before, but earlier this month, you guys, uh, the state of the thing um, for April came out announcing, or not announcing, uh, just talking about Tiny Cat. And so th- this was the first time I really just kind of went and looked. You guys have some really cool collections that are already using it. And I mean, you can totally see that this is a catalog that was, this is catalog software that was, that was crafted from the other end of the spectrum, right? That was like a direct answer to some of this uh, megalithic vendorware that, you know, many libraries have bought into and are consequently stuck with. Yeah. I mean, I should say right at the start, you know, TinyCAD is not supposed to replace any of those pieces of software. It's, right. it's very explicitly only for the smallest libraries. That's why it's called TinyCAD. Uh, we, we cap it at 20,000 books, which is like not even a library <laughs> to, to the sort of people who'd be listening to this podcast. That's that's a personal collection or, or whatever. Uh, you know, it's designed for churches and synagogues and community centers and Masonic temples and all these little collections that are out there, which is kind of an awesome thing. It, it often passes below the radar. But I once cataloged the ones that are just in my neighborhood, and there's like 15 or 20 tiny little libraries within a couple miles of me, you know, healthcare centers is a breastfeeding center, dozens of churches and synagogues and mosques, right? And that that world was never really served by anything. So I thought, well, why don't I make something that, you know, looks like a professional OPAC and in many ways acts like a professional OPAC, 
but is designed for these for these little collections, uh, yep. not for real libraries. That's wonderful. Uh, some of my past clients have been these itty bitty libraries where if the librarian is even being paid, she usually has basically just an Excel spreadsheet. There's absolutely nothing else for them out there. So this seems like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's been a real gap, and I mean, there are there are so-called real libraries that need these, and particularly in Maine, there's there's you know there's little islands that have libraries that uh, the, with uh, you know a few hundred patrons at most, and throughout northern New England actually, and you know some schools. You know, I don't think we're gonna you know we're not gonna take down Follett or anything like that, but we might pick off a, a few private schools that are that are using some some inferior products. And then the other thing about it is that because it's built on library thing, uh, just regular library thing members suddenly have an OPAC. Yes. Which for some of them is like, why, why the hell would you want that? But uh, library <laughs> thing gets a lot of librarians interested in it. And uh, and there's just this sort of weird desire to see your books in an OPAC and, and so forth. It, you know, it's also a, like, for example, it's the first time we really had a good mobile way to, to access uh, library thing on the mobile web. So uh, so it's that too. I, I was just, just out of curiosity, like I just checked the pricing and it costs like 35 bucks a month to catalog 20,000 items if you have a paid staff. You know, your own personal collection is free. And, and some of this is kind of um, $3 a month, according to the website, even ch- cheaper. The um, interesting and, and kind of like weirdly democratic, because a lot of these small libraries that like both Amanda and I work on are part of, you know, larger consortia because, you know, they're they're pooling the resources. And so, you know, for, for reasons X, Y, and Z, and, you know, some of them are, you know, going with kind of like larger larger vendors or whatever but this is um this is kind of interesting and i wanted to come i wanted to hit you with this uh this uh, this total hypothetical that um i posed on twitter a couple months ago and i posed to amanda in a podcast that is yet to be released because of my editing and and i tweeted to springshare which they did joked about but they didn't deny i was at a big library ils conference uh within the last few months i was talking about springshare and i was talking about their how they're kind of a gold standard for i don't know customer service among like kind of a backdrop of terrible experiences with library vendors um they do pretty good and they're fun and and whatever and you know and so i kind of posed the idea and i was like you know i was like you know what no one would see coming they wouldn't see you know we have lib guides and we have lib surveys now lib wizard you know people wouldn't see coming lib catalog in fact and this is what i pose on twitter it's like what if they teamed up with library like at library thing tim and they just created like a rather than creating a new product they just shared um resources and shared apis so that you could have lib tiny cat or something like this and i thought that having something that's like like lib apps plus tiny cat would be an incredibly compelling product <laughs> that comes in at like with swinging around quite a big bat on this uh, spectrum of like library vendorware. What do you think about this? So, so I have the following things to say about that. Okay, so, <laughs> so first of all, um, I was at PLA uh, in Denver. Um, I was next to them in the horrible back aisle where they put you if you don't register in time or they don't like you. It was, you know, us and, and them and, and the, the Scientologists uh, down the, down the <laughs> thing. And uh, no, so I was with them and they, they actually joked about that. Uh, I love their products and I think they do have a certain um, similarity of design, simplicity, something like that. Tiny Cat is, is very much going to stay what it is now for, for little libraries. You know, we uh, have all these great products 
that we make for real libraries, for library <laughs> thing for libraries, uh, you know, and it's uh, something that we work on heavily. Uh, we have a, a partner with that. ProQuest Bowker uh, distributes us. That's oh, really going great, and we hope to do we hope to do a lot more there. But I like the I like the idea. I would say one thing though that I I think I permanently damaged any potential relationship with SpringShare by taking one of their brochures and during a downtime heavily marking it up with all of the. Uh, grammatical <laughs> errors and peculiar typesetting infelicities that they had, and so uh, returned it to them with like a thousand little marks, which is you know, which is like you know, one constructive criticism is welcomed, but when somebody hands you, a, <laughs> <laughs> you know, n dash here, m dash here, why do you use this word twice? You know, I think they were, uh, you know, <laughs> a little weirded out by me. <laughs> It was a terrible brochure, though. It was like everything that is wrong with the library industry, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, I, brochures are incredibly hard to write. But, it, you know, if I see another compound phrase with five fancy adjectives, you know, powerful, highly utilizable, blah, 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 you know. What the hell is this, you know? <laughs> well, I will say as someone who creates a lot of publicity materials, I would first be kind of frustrated, mad, but afterwards I'd be like, oh, thank God somebody has taken this off my plate. I just have to copy what they wrote. <laughs> so I'd be grateful. Another thing that I found recently was two vendors, I won't say their names, used the same woman in stock photography on their oh. homepage. Okay? Two major, major vendors. So you could really be forgiven for confusing these vendors since their primary image was the same woman in two slightly different poses. For our new website, we're only going to be using public domain images or ones that we take ourselves, hopefully to fight some of that tendency. Yeah, I just want to see honest pictures of, of people in libraries. You, I'm tired of these just impeccably scrubbed, beautiful people uh, staring at the camera. I just want to see, like, real library users. Yeah, there are uh, uh, user research studies that show that people who use the Internet have developed a smell for stock photography you know there, there's all these like bad content strategy advice blogs that are like oh man every uh, every image or every blog you write has to have a featured image use a sketchy image thing here or whatever and uh the the point of just like the carousel or you know just like bootstrap or whatever is like at some point it becomes so so conventional that it becomes you no, know i mean the, the detective book riot which i which i adore has fallen into that trap you know every every one of their posts has has some sort of stock photograph, you know, and they're very repetitive and, and they're often actually directly repeated week to week. Not that anyone cares week to week on the internet. Everything is instant. People get into that that sort of trap. And I, I think it speaks to a larger problem of insincerity in the in the library product market. I mean, library thing has the advantage in that we don't have to do our sales and marketing. It, it's done by ProQuest, who I, uh, you know, I respect, but they're they're part of this larger world. And uh, well, as as an example, it's impossible in the library world to have public pricing. Uh, mm -hmm. Tiny Cat has it because we don't have real reps out there talking to you, but uh, public pricing doesn't happen because everything is a schmooze. Everything is a deal. Oh, it's true. You know, library software in general is is far too expensive for what it actually is. Not as good as it should be. Uh, and there's just something fundamentally broken in the in the library software market that's produced that situation. Yeah, we've talked with previous guests who are very frustrated with these vendors who, you know, have tons of money, lots of clients, they charge so much, and then their interfaces are just atrocious. Right. Like, they put nothing on that. Can we talk about the Tiny Cat interface a little bit? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you know, for like the last year, I have been um, neck deep in a major um, 
OPAC redesign, which ended largely me like undoing a lot and then trying to hack things into place. But in fact, we just uh, did another round of uh, usability studies this afternoon. What for? I don't know for, for listeners like uh, who I recommend check it out, and we'll we'll make sure there are links. Um, the way I describe these tiny cat libraries that I'm looking at is um, I don't know how to, like minimal mobile first, very responsive, um, single search box up front. Then the um, the search results are what I've been like hacking my my present opac to to essentially look like in that they're again full width responsive you know and you guys have like a little bit of facets on the right but there's not a whole lot there um and i was just wondering i know that you guys did like you know you worked hard on making sure that these were as usable as possible and i wonder if you could like just talk about any insight or i don't know observations you made while you were um you know going through this well, I mean, I think the, the first thing that we wanted to do was just do the simple things right, the stuff that so many catalogs get wrong, you know, hard URLs, not session-based URLs, URLs you can read to someone over the telephone, not horrible URLs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even notice that. So let's say um, there's a book and there's an old link to it. Does that go to a true 404? Oh my god. Like this is this is this is basic functionality that, you know, I've been just like weeping over Oh, it's crazy you know. and it's one of the reasons why libraries aren't on the web these these ridiculous session-based uh, systems and no, it needs to be hard URLs, they need to be shareable, right? Uh they need to be emailable. We got Twitter cards on the detail pages and the search pages. We you know, we 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 tried to get that stuff right and there's still some work there to be done, but do that. Mobile from the beginning, right? I mean, it's crazy that in this day and age many catalogs are not mobile and you have to buy the extra mobile version. So you mm-hmm. buy the extra mobile version from the vendor or else you use someone like Boopsy, right? I mean, Boopsy is a great company. They do great work. We we sort of have a competing product in in this thing called Library Anywhere, but the whole idea that there would be companies selling Mobile catalogs is just crazy. In this day and age, your catalog should just be mobile from the beginning. Yeah, we currently have built our new website and catalog from the ground up. Yes, mobile first was definitely the way that we were going. Uh, relevancy ranking, you know, the simple things. I mean, there, there's, you know, as I say, we, we spend so much time with catalogs. And although, you know, the top cities in the United States have often moved to systems like BiblioCommons that, that do things much better. The, the majority of citizens of the United States are still using Old Horizon, Webpack Pro, right? All of these systems, and they relevancy rank by, by straight accession order. So you search for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and it's like the 10th page in because the book was accessioned a long time ago. Right. And things that have, things that things that would in any relevancy ranking be way down at the bottom will, will be first. It has the string. Therefore, it meets the qualification. Therefore, relevancy rank it to the top. Right. HTTPS everywhere. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that right now. No, I mean, that's that's essential. Uh, it's it's something that we still still struggle with on library thing uh, itself. Uh, library thing is HTTPS on all of the sort of uh, sign in, sign out, that kind of stuff. But it's not, mm-hmm. not everywhere. We're not forcing it everywhere. You can browse it everywhere. Uh, and then just like basics of good design. I mean, I, I I tweeted you guys this thing today where I just did why slow on um, on uh, Tiny Cat and many other catalogs. You know, why why slow is this uh, suite of tools designed by Douglas Crockford, I think it was, to pinpoint why pages were slow. You know, simple stuff. Put your CSS high. Put your JavaScript low. You know, have 
one, two JavaScripts instead of 21. Minimize all your JavaScript. Uh, make sure you're gzipping everything. All these sort of simple things. Library thing has the highest Y slow score of any OPAC that I've seen. It's just simple stuff. You know, there's, there's no reason your OPAC needs to have 21 external JavaScripts, period. That's, yes. just, that's just laziness. And yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking at that now. Slows you, you, down. you have you have load times like well under you know two you know one point six seven like, yeah. uh, speed index, and um, you know these are things that you know we trumpet for its importance. And I love that ever. <laughs> I don't want to pick on it, but ever evergreen has like a twenty nine speed and a twenty nine seconds twenty nine point seventy three second. And it was for history, which like no one's ever going to cool. search for history in a catalog. But it, you know and that that's sort of the the other tragedy here is I've been in this game for so long and I've been pushing evergreen and Koha because they're open source and they can get better. They can transcend this market, but they haven't, right? And they're not markedly better than other things. They've just kind of copied the dysfunctions. You know, I still think people should go with an open source solution, but but it hasn't, you know, it hasn't produced the sort of nirvana that that five years ago I thought it would. Right. I mean, it requires a certain um, staff, right, to be knowledgeable about in the first place and then input um, and implement. But I think I think it's getting better. I think uh, I think you see a big, a greater push for that, a, a greater growth in web development teams for the library. I don't know. Like, like part of Eternal Cynic is aware that so much of this is so ingrained in the products that exist and transferring from one to another is... You know, such an overhaul, and those who remain in charge may, you know, even if they're getting on board with amping up the library website, you know, there may be like some too much political, I don't know, tape keeping people stuck. You know, so it's interesting. You know, like the more that these products come out and can just be, you know, kind of turnkeyed, the you know, really, really the better for everyone. I, you know, I love open source. I believe in open source. You know, I'm pretty sure that the entire system could run on a really advanced WordPress network. I don't trust that the library devops is up to the task or you know even have the foresight well you know it's it's interesting you you speak a lot about the the library team and and i think it's a good thing that libraries have these teams but for the catalog at least you you should start with something that's already good sure and then then you can put your time on the the website and so forth but i'm a big believer that the library catalog and the website should not exist in two separate realms you know under two different people with totally different designs and so forth but if you're spending a lot of time making the catalog better i just worry that you know, something's wrong that you should have got a good catalog to begin with. Not that there are many options out there, but I, I have sort of a love-hate relationship with Biblio Commons in that, in that I'm a little jealous of them. They're kind of the library catalog I would have built. I think they really do it right uh, in many, many ways. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that big Twitter storm where I listed about 50 things that were wrong with their sign-out process, but like as opposed to, you know, 200 things or something like that. You know, they, the spread of BiblioCommons is definitely making catalogs better. But yes. o- overall, there's been this tendency to make much more attractive interfaces. I think interfaces that people have thought through better, but a lot of them are really slow. They're bloated. They're the ones that are loading 22, 22 JavaScripts. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you hit like an old Webpack Pro, blazingly fast, you're like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't look modern, <laughs> but at least it's fast. I mean, it's Google fast. And some of these other ones, these discovery layers and so forth, I mean, they're they're just turning you off at every search because they're slow. They may be Ajaxing the contents in, but the Ajax is taking a couple seconds. It's, it's irritating. Yeah, the importance of speed to like completing a simple t- a task that appears simple, especially in as advanced as the web has become, as you know, searching and finding 
is can't be like underscored enough with the remaining time i really kind of like want to roll back real quick so creating like a mobile first library catalog you know what i'm hacking one to be and i think your point is uh prescient about like if you're doing so much work into customization then maybe you should have gone with a one that was right for in the first place to which you know you can't laud enough so biblio commons tiny cat like all the spring share lib apps which like anything that's on like foundation six or using bootstrap uh three slash four all these are you know mobile first frameworks that are highly customizable and and you know that's great i'm all about mobile first we even made all our setup stuff uh mobile first right you can be changing i mean you probably haven't played with it there's an interface there's a way that the tiny cat looks but you can rearrange all your sections you can make your search pages more more uh, detailed. You can decide you don't want to see this, want to see that. You can add your own JavaScript. I mean, there's there's a lot more going on there under the hood, and uh, you can you can customize it quite a bit, and you can move stuff around and so forth. We even decided to make that so you can be on the train home from work, changing how your, how your OPAC looks, you know, on your iPhone, um, which is kind of pointless. But but if you're going to do it, go all in. Um, and if you ever, I mean, my God, if you ever look at the, the admin interfaces for. For OPACs, I mean, for, for oh my ILSs, gosh. I mean, they're they're even far worse than the than <laughs> than the library catalogs, you know. So, <laughs> well, what what I wanted to get at was is like this idea of um, you know, mobile first is increasingly important, but I think like you could like go in now. I was like, what folks should be thinking about is something not so no-fangled as you might call it um, like API first, right? Yeah, you develop around like an extensible API that, you know, if you're a vendor, maybe you sell or, you know, you give up. But this it's this idea that, you know, what we hope for is to have um, library vendor products that we have access to from our own uh, from other applications so like things can be mobile first but we'd also love to tie it into uh, voice user interfaces or any kind of ex- extensible second or third party I mean there's this tension here between five years ago six years ago I think there was this dream that the library technology world would be would be given APIs given open source would just sort of do these amazing things and I think that dream failed for a number of reasons there aren't enough library developers um, there you know, when when once you do it by language, you have you have tiny little communities, and then sort of the best products, like you know, just to mention BiblioCommons again, they're not something you can get inside, right? You, you all this business you're you're doing ch- changing JavaScript and CSS and so forth, you can't do that with BiblioCommons. You're not you're able to change some colors or something like that, but they're controlling the interface. Largely, that's been a good thing, right? I mean, there are so many library catalogs out there where someone's been put in control of the interface and it's dreadful. So there's this kind of push-pull between openness and extensibility and people who, who create the right product. And I don't know, TinyCat does not have any APIs per se, but LibraryThing has APIs. We, we should probably expand them. I don't know. I mean, I, I've just sort of, I've lost the religion that I long held that, that if library programmers are finally given access to everything, the world would be better. I think we're moving into a somewhat darker world where everything is in the cloud, things are locked down, and they're probably pretty good. All right. So with that, I actually need to cut you guys off. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a that's that's a bleak and powerful way to end this episode. <laughs> I want to thank you, Tim and Michael. Before we go, should this be the podcast where we just happen to mention we have a big project in the pipe? I don't see why not. It wasn't in our contract, not. That we couldn't talk about it. Why don't you break the first word, though, just in case there is some sort of fine print. Guys, Amanda and I are writing a book. We know you've been wanting one for a long, long time. This one is, um, if you go back to one of our episodes, um, like at the beginning of the year, the 2016 design trends for library web design, we said that 
You know, the biggest thing that's going to come up, at least in terms of like, or within the user research, user experience sphere, is this uh, new kid on the block. Service design, we are writing service design for libraries, and we even, we grabbed all the domains. (laughs) 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 So so be sure to follow one of them. You know, the best one to follow is, of course, LibriX.co for more. And ALA. ALA. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's going to be a Lita guide full of uh, forms and the kind of uh, charm that you expect from Amanda and Michael products. We haven't started writing it yet. <laughs> like eight months from now? <laughs> or like it's it's due eight months from now. It's due in January. And then from my previous experience with them, it took about a year before it went out. So it's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. Thanks a lot for inviting me.